Welcome to The Sewing Circle, a women's history podcast. I'm Peyton Alexander, and today we're going to do what I like to call a backstitch episode, where we just take it really casual, we learn a little about a lot, instead of focusing in on on one subject, and then we're going to cover history from April 25th through May 1st, this entire week, and talk about a bunch of different uh, women's historical happenings. So get comfortable. I've got my wine. <laughs> Go and get yours if need be. And let's just jump right in. So this past Sunday was the Oscars, and I'm not usually an awards show kind of person. And evidently through COVID, not a whole lot of people are either, which is kind of sad this year because a lot of, of really big women's history things happened. For one, big ups to director Chloe Zhao, her movie Nomadland earned Best Picture, and then her lead actress, Frances McDormand, the wonderful, amazing Frances McDormand, won Best Actress, and she herself, Chloe, she won Best Director. Now, this time around was the first time in Oscars history that two women had been up for Best Director, and I've got to tell you, disappointing. But finally, we made it, and now we can never say that again. Now I'm looking forward to the first time three women are nominated. The other nominee was Emerald Fennell. She was up for her movie, Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. For some reason, I just put it off through the pandemic, and I'm not sure why, but now I absolutely will make it a priority. Emerald did end up winning Best Original Screenplay, so all in all, pretty cool. But even better was when Ya Zhang Yun won Best Supporting Actress for Lee Isaac Chung's Minari. <laughs> You've got to see video of this. She gets up on stage and immediately starts flirting with Brad Pitt by correcting his pronunciation of her name, like, girl, yes. Um, and then after a few beats of reality setting in that she's the winner, and it was all just so darling, uh, she joked about how her sons are making her work into her old age, holding her Oscar up high and saying, this is the result of mommy's hard work. <laughs> and then with all the grace and fuck you of a Southern woman blessing your heart, she wondered if maybe she'd earned the award because of Hollywood's hospitality toward a Korean actor. So pretty, pretty fun time. Let's move uh, now to April 26th. Now, I'm sure you know about Paul Revere, you know, the British are coming, two if by land, one by sea. Wait, one if by land, two if by sea? Yes, that's right. His midnight ride, you know, blah, 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 all of that. But you might not know about Sybil Luddington, the teenage girl who rode 40 miles on horseback all through the night on this date in 1777, warning people of... British soldiers and rustling up more troops for her father's regiment. Now, jumping ahead over 200 years to 2018, same day when Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, was finally caught after 45 years and over 50 assaults, rapes, and murders. Now, if you're somehow not a true crime junkie, then just Buckle up and bear with me. I, I hope you've got that drink. D'Angelo had racked up a bunch of different monikers 
all through uh, the time that he was terrorizing California. He started off as the Visalia Ransacker when he was just a cat burglar, essentially. And then he moved and he started raping people. And so then he was dubbed the East Area Rapist and law enforcement didn't link the two. This was the 70s. They didn't really speak uh, outside of jurisdictions and stuff. And so they didn't they didn't link them together. And then later on, he became known as the original Night Stalker because the name the Night Stalker had already been given to Richard Ramirez. And I guess journalists just didn't have access to a thesaurus in the 80s. But eventually, uh, law enforcement realized that these various attackers were all one person. And so they started calling him Erons for East Area Rapist slash original Night Stalker. Why am I talking about this man on a women's history podcast? Because I want you to know about Michelle McNamara. She was an author and true crime blogger who really just poured her whole life into the Iran's case. And I'm pretty certain she's the one who named him the Golden State Killer, because even though it's gross to say, as her husband pointed out in a few interviews, branding does matter, you know. And Golden State Killer is a lot catchier, a lot better sounding than Eron's. In writing her book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, she really delved deep into the knowns and unknowns of the case. And again, I want to stress she is not law enforcement. She was not, you know, forensic anything. Again, she was an author and a true crime blogger, but she acted as a citizen sleuth And she conducted interviews with people close to the case, with law enforcement officers, with victims and and survivors alike. And in the course of writing the book, I mean, I just find it so incredible that not only was she able to bring so much respect and humanization to the victims and their families, but she, she highlighted the toll that it took on law enforcement, and she provided all this great context for how such a prolific criminal, such a horrifying murderer could still be unknown after all that time. She also did something really interesting in the book where she, she laid bare the effect that the case was having on her own mental health and how she kind of felt entrapped by it. Um, And in my opinion, and I know that this is really unpopular on Reddit, but I'll be gone in the dark is as draw dropping and personal, and terrifying. I mean, I had nightmares reading this book, and I'm not some true crime newbie here, okay? But I think it gives Anne Rule's The Stranger Beside Me a legit run for its money. Now, sadly, Michelle passed away before finishing the book, and therefore before uh, The Golden State Killer was ever caught. She died of a combination accidental overdose and undetected atherosclerosis. Crime writers Paul Haynes, uh, who's referred to as the kid, I think, in the book, um, and Billy Jensen, who you might know from The Murder Squad, as well as her husband, who's the comedian and actor Patton Oswalt, they all took her notes that she'd left behind and compiled them best that they could to be able to get her book published two years after her death and get this, just two months before D'Angelo was caught. Now, DNA is absolutely what solved this case. 
but it didn't hurt that Michelle spent years driving interest and getting eyes on the case. At the end of the book, Michelle had written a letter to the killer, and once D'Angelo was caught, social media absolutely blew up over how prescient she was, how accurately she predicted the moment. She wrote, One day soon, you'll hear a car pull up to your curb, an engine cut out. You'll hear footsteps coming up your front walk. The doorbell rings. No side gates are left open. You're long past leaping over a fence. Take one of your hyper-gulping breaths, clench your teeth, inch timidly toward the insistent bell. This is how it ends for you. You'll be silent forever, and I'll be gone in the dark. You threatened a victim once. Open the door, show us your face, and walk into the light. Just chills. (laughs) So incredible. And I'm so glad that Patton got to see this through for Michelle's legacy and that the victims have been able to get some justice. D'Angelo was just sentenced to like 12 consecutive life sentences, no possibility of parole this past August. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sticking with me there as I let my murderino freak flag fly and go ahead and take that drink now. You and I both deserve it. All right. And just as a little aside, I have my drink sitting on a on a little platter that has Dolly Parton's face on it and says, pour yourself a cup of ambition. All right. Let's move on entirely to the 27th. You may have seen on my Insta or Twitter that it was Coretta Scott King's birthday and she wasn't just Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife. So first of all, she was a talented singer and violinist. She went to the New England Conservatory of Music, graduating there. That's how she and Martin Luther King Jr. met in the first place. And evidently, she didn't really like him to start. (laughs) Um, But they started dating. And eventually, you know, you know how that all pans out. Her whole adult life, though, she has been a fighter for equality and for the peace movement. And after her husband's assassination, she took this really unpopular step for the time by tying racial inequality with economic inequality, putting the two together and saying that that they were inextricably linked. Um, so she was a big part of the poor people's movement that a lot of us know about today. Evidently, also after her husband's assassination, the FBI monitored her for a while because they were worried that she was going to be able to successfully tie anti-Vietnam sentiments to the civil rights movement, and then they would have a huge problem on their hands. Um, She also stood up for the queer community starting during the AIDS epidemic, which was a huge deal. So she really embodied the word fearless. This week, on the 27th, the CDC announced that fully vaccinated people can safely gather outdoors unmasked, and I'm just really happy about that one, so I wanted to make sure to mention it. Okay, so that brings us to April 28th, and we're in 1960 when Elena Kagan was born. And I'd like to thank the podcast Herstory on the Rocks for pointing this out on Twitter and also detailing how Elena is the fourth woman Supreme Court justice 
and had previously been the first woman U.S. Solicitor General and the first woman dean of Harvard Law School. Also on April 28th, but just a few days ago, the President of the United States for the very first time in history addressed both Madam Speaker and Madam Vice President in front of Congress and in front of, you know, the whole world. It was so amazing to see Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi up there on that dais and to be able to just watch history be made like that. So the next day, the 29th, going way, way back to 1429, the 16-year-old French military leader, Joan of Arc, followed the voices in her head, and she led an army to relieve the city of Orleans uh, from the English. And the question I have, like with Sybil Ludington and now Joan of Arc, is 16 like a magical age for girls on horseback to totally just show up generals? Huh. What was I doing at 16? Hmm. Anyway. Also on the 29th, and also during a war, uh, Ava Braun married Adolf Hitler. And then the next day, the two killed themselves before the Soviets could. So, you know, cool honeymoon. Ava was 33. So now we're to today, the 30th. And there was a time in the 90s when Ellen DeGeneres had her own sitcom. She was the star, her character's name was also Ellen, and that Ellen was straight. Until this date in 1997, when the puppy episode aired, where Ellen's character and the real Ellen both came out as gay. So the real Ellen had been on Oprah, I want to say like a week previous and had come out and everything. Um, And then the show decided to, well, they had already been in talks to to do this episode. Um, but you know, all the timing and everything, uh, while the two part episode evidently had like really outrageous viewership and the sitcom got renewed for another season. Evidently there were bomb threats on the set and Laura Dern, our lady, Laura Dern, who played Susan, a lesbian who helped Ellen realize her sexuality She'd later say that she lost work as a result of being on that episode. And just a couple of months previous, she had done Jurassic Park. So she was kind of a hot commodity. And and evidently, by playing a lesbian in 1997, this put her on something of a, of a Hollywood blacklist for a little while there. But she also said that it had been an incredible opportunity and that she was so honored because there was this intimate moment while they were shooting and, you know, it was in front of a live audience. And so the very first time when Ellen looked at Laura and said, I'm gay, Laura Dern feels like that was just a huge gift to be there for Ellen coming out to, to the whole world. And she, she was just super honored. The show was canceled during the next season, mostly due to like a total lack of direction. So the puppy episode had been so named because they hadn't been able to like figure out what they were going to do with Ellen, the character that Michael Eisner just suggested, well, why don't you give her a puppy? <laughs> you know. So, so they were kind of, they were already sort of struggling. Um, but I also don't want to leave out just the national homophobia and the bomb threats of it all as, as part of what caused the cancellation. But then, 
you know, bright side, Ellen got her own talk show a few years later, and there's nothing else I want to say about that. In 2013, the 30th, uh, Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands abdicated after 33 years on the throne so that her son, uh, King Willem Alexander, could take over. He's the first Dutch king in 123 years, following the reign of Queen Beatrix, who came after Queen Juliana, who'd followed Queen Wilhelmina, who'd reigned for a Dutch record 58 years. Now, Queen Wilhelmina had become queen at the age of 10 in 1890 after her father, King William III, had died following a prolonged illness. So then Wilhelmina and Juliana, as well as Beatrix, like I just said, they all abdicated to allow the next one to take over rather than dying while reigning which I just think is is really interesting and it'd be interesting to see if if the king follows suit. Now, let's move ahead to tomorrow, but also back to 1930 when an 11-year-old Venetia Burney got to name the newly discovered planet Pluto. Her grandpa had a bunch of friends who were astronomers and they just loved her idea. So just remember everybody that even if you're only 11, it's not what you know. But who you know? Also on the 1st in 1963, that's when Gloria Steinem's expose as a Playboy bunny after she had gone undercover at the Playboy Club, uh, her expose was published in the magazine show. It was entitled A Bunny's Tale. Get it? In 1985, uh, Kirstie Alley reenacted this month undercover in a straight-to-TV movie. You know, I haven't seen it. Finally, this brings us to May 1st, and we're going to first talk about last year when a right-wing extremist on an encrypted message described himself as a, quote, Marine Corps infantry veteran who can make things go boom if you give me what I need, unquote. A few months later, that man and a dozen others would be arrested for plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And just a couple of days ago this week, a handful of them have now been charged with conspiring to use weapons of mass destruction. The indictment states the men had planned to mount explosives to the underside of a bridge that's close to Governor Whitmer's vacation home. That's where they had planned to abduct her from. And then they would blow the bridge up to hinder law enforcement. This group that calls themselves the Wolverine Watchmen, ugh. They now face a bunch of federal charges because they didn't like the restrictions she'd put in place for COVID-19. Just stay in school, kids. And now so that we don't end on a total bummer. In 1950, on May 1st, the poet Gwendolyn Brooks became the first Black woman to win a Pulitzer Prize for her volume, Annie Allen. As I was researching for this episode, I saw that Harper Lee had also won the Pulitzer for To Kill a Mockingbird on May 1st in 1961, and I'm embarrassed to say that initially I thought it was just a neat coincidence and not that, you know, historically the Pulitzers are awarded in May. So thank you for listening to this week's Backstitch episode. I hope you learned, you know, a little about a lot. Uh, you can follow me at TSC underscore pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And 
you know, I'm, I'm just so pleased with all of the support. Thank you for being here for me and everything. I've never done anything like this before. And so it's really cool. All the different things that I'm learning about podcasting, not to mention just the subject itself. Uh, so thank you. And please don't forget to rate review and subscribe until next week.